Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception wherever you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, I am I am grateful. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to continue on with a discussion on the Navy report that came out for Congress. But this episode, I'm going to take a different turn. I initially said on the last episode that I wanted to talk about organizational culture, but I'm going to put that on the back burner and I'm going to focus solely on the zero defect mindset or zero defect mentality and not so much what was outlined in the Navy report. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'll give my analysis from the, uh, from the chief of Naval operations perspective, but I also want to talk about just the zero defect mentality at large in general. You know, what are the consequences of the zero defect mindset? What is the zero defect mindset? What is your concept of it? There's really two sides of it. There's from the leader standpoint, the person who expects no mistakes, who is intolerant of mistakes from people that work for him or her. And then you have the, the person who is afraid of making mistakes, right? So they're kind of two sides of, of the same coin. So we're going to talk about that and much more. Hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. Hi, friends. Welcome back. We're going to continue our discussion on the Navy report. It was titled a report on the fighting culture of the United States Navy surface fleet. And it was conducted at the direction of Senator Tom Cotton, Congressman Jim Banks, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, and Congressman Mike Gallagher, authored by Lieutenant General Robert Schmidl, U.S. Marine Corps retired, and Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, U.S. Navy retired. This is going to be my final episode on this report. And I'm going to use this episode to talk about the zero defect mindset or the zero defect mentality. Before we dive in, you know, it's funny, my wife was listening to the last episode you know, because I've, this is my third part on this Navy report. And, you know, she was, I think she gets frustrated a little bit. She's like, you know, what are you going to do? What would you do in practical, you know, in practicality? What would you do if you were the chief of naval operations? What would you do if you're a leader in this organization or within an organization in general that maybe promotes a zero defect mentality or whatever it may be? And, you know, I think one of my biggest answers was I would avoid a knee-jerk reaction. You know, if I'm the chief of naval operations and you have this report dropped on you, and I'm assuming that the CNO or the chief of naval operations, the four-star, had a chance to review this report before it was given to Congress. As I read the report, I would exercise extreme caution because I think in any bureaucratic organization, especially in a government organization, and I can say this coming from a Coast Guard perspective or having been in the Coast Guard, being on the officer side of the Coast Guard, anytime there's a major report that goes mainstream, it's easy to to draw conclusions and make assumptions and make some very quick decisions based off those conclusions and assumptions without really trying to work through, okay, what are we trying to do here? What decisions do we want to make based off this? And what what might be some of the consequences that come from these decisions, especially consequences at the kind of in the trenches, right? A lot of times people make decisions at higher levels 
and they're not trying to work through some of the consequences and trying to determine what maybe some of the unintended consequences of the decisions might be in the field or for the workers in the trenches or at the lower levels, you know, on the day-to-day, on the line, service line in the hospital, whatever, the people delivering the services or the high quality product. So again, if I'm in charge of an organization, I have a report saying that I have a culture problem in my organization. I am going to take that report seriously, but I'm going to start a kind of a fact-finding mission. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm not going to pretend that I have a monopoly on the truth or the reality based on this one report. I need to, to gather more information. And I don't think you want to gather more information ad nauseum. You want it forever. You want to keep looking for more information because you're never going to have enough information to act on. But I wouldn't take this report as the end-all be-all and make a bunch of decisions based off of it. However, you have to, you, you would have to, as a chief of naval operations, be very cognizant that this report makes recommendations to members of Congress and members of Congress are going to expect action. So that's the other side of it, something you'd have to take into consideration as a leader of the Navy. Uh, People are going to expect actions based on this report. So you're going to have to deal with that as well. Again, a position I do not envy. So on this report or on this episode, I initially wanted to talk about organizational culture. That's what I talked about on the last episode. That's how I finished it. I wanted to talk about, I wanted to introduce Edgar Schein, the psychologist who has pioneered the field of organizational culture. I really am fascinated by organizational culture, how a culture comes to be, how it changes itself, adapts itself, how it evolves based on the problems it's trying to solve. I really wanted to talk about that, but I really want to devote a multi-part series to organizational culture. I want to introduce organizational culture in stages I want to do my homework, I want to do my research, and I want to try to try to give my audience the, the, the best information that I can find from the best sources. So they can understand culture more than just the very, at the very superficial level of culture is the way we do things around here. It's much more than that. So expect that in the coming month or so is, is a very deep dive into organizational culture. We can geek out together in organizational culture. I think it'll be fun. So... Again, I'll circle back to that later. In this episode, I want to examine the zero defect mindset or the zero defect mentality, right? If you are a leader in an organization, are you tolerant of mistakes for those that work for you, that work with you? Are you tolerant of mistakes within your team, within your group, within your division, within your ship, whatever it may be? Conversely, Are you afraid of making mistakes? Do you feel an enormous pressure above you that if you make a mistake, it will be career ending or it'll prevent you from promoting or getting in the management position that you wanted? Is that the perception that you have of your organization? Is that the reality? How do you know, right? How do you pull that apart? We're going to talk about I'm going to kind of probably be all over the map today. And that's just kind of how my mind works. I made a lot of notes, jot down. I I made a lot of thoughts on this episode because it's very important to me. Again, I spent 20 years in the, in the military, the last, oh, I'd say last five years in the officer corps of the U S coast guard. So when I read the Navy report about the officer corps specifically being very 
prone to the zero defect mentality, the one mistake Navy, as they call it. I tried to see if I could draw any parallels to the Coast Guard. Did I ever feel that pressure in the Coast Guard as a Coast Guard officer that if I made one mistake, it would be career ending? Was I surrounded by peers or people above me or below me that felt that way? And I can say that those conversations did happen. Was, the, was it at the dominant the dominant trend of the organization? Was it the dominant culture, a culture of fear? I don't know if as if I can say that, that it was or was not with absolute certainty. I don't think I need to. I think it would vary based on whoever the person you talk to, what type of field they were in, in the Coast Guard, what was their specialty. A lot of it was very, I was surrounded by a lot of bosses who were very tolerant to a point of making mistakes. They were very, uh, they would, they would, they were very good at lifting you up if you were struggling. So I had those experiences. I knew there were some people out there that I worked around or that within my circles that were not very tolerant of mistakes. So I think it's very kind of varies by person to person a lot of times as well. So I wouldn't draw any major inferences one way or the other, I'd be very hesitant to, to, to do that. So we can, I think we need to ex- briefly explore what a zero defect mentality looks like in the Navy. I think we can, we need to draw this concept. We need to tease this concept out because as we go through this episode, we all need to be operating on a similar concept wave. If we're going to, to discuss this using the tools of philosophical thought. We got to be on the same page, right? That's what philosophy is about. It's about making sure we're we're going to make an argument or have a discussion or a dialogue. We need to be coming at it from kind of the same angle, at least as far as what are the material we're talking about. So I want to talk about the zero defect mentality in the Navy report or how it's characterized in the Navy report. And then I think we can maybe try to extrapolate to other industries and general leadership roles in the civilian world, may try to make some parallels. There are definitely parallels we can make, right? The military is not the only industry susceptible to a zero defect mentality culture. Okay, so I'm going to read a just a brief excerpt from the Navy report, and then I'm going to go off in a different direction. Maybe it's kind of the same direction, but I'm not going to harp on the actual contents of the Navy report. So in its findings for Congress, the report's authors use the following subtitle. It's called a dominant and paralyzing zero defect mentality. So that's very strong language, right? A dominant and paralyzing zero defect mentality. So the author stated, quote, a prevalent theme that emerged over the course of the interview process was a near universal disdain for the so-called, quote unquote, one mistake Navy, the practice of treating certain errors with career termination and offering no opportunity for recovery, the general unwillingness to rehabilitate one-off mistakes, the disclination to weigh errors against the totality of a naval career, and the practice of discipline by paperwork were broadly understood to be a drain on the Navy's retention efforts. Okay, so if you are the CEO of this company, if you are the chief of naval operations, if you are the four-star admiral, you have to take this serious. Right? You have to take this serious. You can't dismiss it because if you dismiss it, you're going to lose a lot of people. You're going to, morale is going to plummet even more from where it might be now if there is a morale issue. 
So I would take away my, my broader issue here is retention. The very last sentence, a drain on the Navy's retention efforts. This would be a major concern for me if I was in charge of the Navy. No organization can thrive without retaining its talent. That's just, that's the bottom line. And I mean thrive. I'm not saying you can't survive and kind of limp along, but you cannot thrive if you can't retain top talent. If you're top, if you are hemorrhaging top talent, they're going to other places, going to other organizations because they fear the culture. That's not good. Research clearly shows, and it's shown for some time, that people usually don't leave an organization because the mission isn't worthy. They're not leaving the organization, period. They're leaving because their leaders are uninspiring because the managers suck the life force from those within their sphere of influence. So here's some initial, I guess we'd call it some philosophical questions that I have for aspiring leaders. Some initial questions. And these questions are for not only aspiring leaders, but people currently in positions of leadership, even leadership scholars, because again, we're getting to theory as well. We should develop this, this theory of the zero defect mentality more. We should focus our efforts more on this and see how it benefits leadership and what the drawbacks of this mentality might be from a, from a leadership style or, or trait or characteristic, right? So the spirit of leadosophy evolves around questions. You know that if you've been listening to this, questions pull on the threads of thought, on curiosity, on how we develop and strengthen our self-concept of leadership and our co-created concept of leadership, right? So here, here are some questions. And I'm not going to answer a lot of these questions. These are questions for you to ponder as well as for me to ponder together, right? So how does the zero defect mindset come into existence? Is it a learned behavior, right? And again, we have to remember zero defect mentality or zero defect mindset two sides of the same coin, the leader who is intolerant of mistakes and the just the general person who is afraid of making mistakes. Another question I have or a series of questions would be, do customer demands drive a zero defect mentality? And this is a good time to reflect about the products you own, your iPhone or even your car. Are you tolerant of mistakes or defects or complete failure of your stuff. Is it possible that consumer demands play a role in driving this mentality in a particular workplace, in a particular industry? If my organization is delivering a high-quality service or product, what and where are our mistake and failure tolerances? For example, a company would probably prefer to squeeze out all of the mistakes of a product before releasing it to the public. I think that goes without saying. If you're running a company that produces computer widgets, you don't want all of these widgets to go mainstream and they fail, right? So I think that's important to to discuss or look through that lens a little bit when we're talking about why does an organization have a zero defect mentality? Maybe consumer demands are driving that as well. Maybe it plays a role. I don't think we can dismiss it. Why are some leaders more tolerant of mistakes and failure, others less tolerant? Does it come down to a very individual level, a very granular level? And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. What are the impacts of leading or being led in a zero defect mentality industry? What are the impacts on the people, on the morale, on the culture? 
on the product production, the quality of services? Does it, does it work to improve the quality of services or the products? Can you empower others in a zero defect mentality culture? And if you try, if you try to empower others, but people are afraid to fail, will they want the autonomy and say the decision-making processes? If they are, per, if they perceive that there's a culture of, of uh, zero mistake mentality, if there's a, if that culture exists, will they want the autonomy? Do they want to be empowered to make decisions? Will they constantly fear making the wrong decision? This is really important. This next point I think is, is very vital to, to think about. Do some industries require that leaders lead with a zero defect mentality? Is that, is that what it's called for? What are some of these industries in which leaders, which followers thrive in a zero defect mentality world? I think it goes without saying that some organizations and industries are intolerant of a certain typology of mistakes because that's what is required to succeed. Let's think about air traffic controllers or maybe the space shuttle program. What about an airplane engine manufacturing facility, the logging industry? What about a nuclear power plant? I believe it's Leadosophy's assumption that any mistake that falls under a safety typology, and we're not just talking about human safety, we're also talking about environmental safety, right? Think about the the BP oil spill, the pipeline burst in the Gulf of Mexico, 2010, I believe, right? The damage to the environment, Exxon Valdez, damage to the environment, right? There are certain mistakes that fall under a safety typology. And those mistakes might dictate, or that industry may dictate that managers and leaders adopt, not only adopt, but they embrace a low to zero tolerance disposition. That's a real thing. Some leaders are in organizations where small mistakes are catastrophic. Systems and processes might be fragile. They have little mistake tolerance. I think it's important to note here that all mistakes are not created equal within an organization, within an industry, within a group or team. All mistakes are not created equal. What psychological effects does a zero defect mentality have on those within an organization? Is it pervasive? Does it promote happiness? Does it inspire? Does it get results? Does it motivate and inspire? Because there's a difference between does the zero defect mentality motivate or does it inspire or does it do both? I can be motivated by the fear of failure, but it may not be very inspiring. It may not be very uplifting. So will a zero defect mentality create punishing psychological conditions? For example, morale might be very low, but productivity is high or extremely high. Is this a win for an organization, for its leaders, for its workers? Those are, those are very legitimate questions. They're very rational questions that the organization must ask itself. What are they willing to embrace? Are they willing to embrace a zero defect mentality because it, it produces high quality results? Maybe they, maybe you have senior leaders in an organization that have no fear, and I'm not talking about the Navy. I'm saying that you have, you have leaders in an organization at the top who have no fear of creating a psychologically punishing zero defect mentality environment because they're not worried about retention. They know people are kicking at the doors to get in. Even high talent is kicking at the doors to get in. 
maybe you are in an in economy where people need jobs, right? So maybe that fuels the zero defect mentality or allows it to fester because leaders can adopt it and it works, it produces results and retention is not a concern. Again, these are all hypothetical questions, may exist, may not exist in practicality. I just talk about it because I think it's worth talking about when it comes to this issue. So what makes someone fearful of making mistakes, right? This is kind of the other side of the coin, right? We talked about the people intolerant of mistakes. What makes people fear or fear making a mistake? The fear of failure. Where does this come from? What is a genesis? Is it personal or a kind of a self-motivating factor that is self-generated? I happen to be kind of like that when I was in the military. I kind of motivated myself because I didn't want to fail myself and I didn't want to fail others that were in my sphere of leadership influence. I didn't want to fail them. I feared failing them. That drove me and inspired me. That was self-created. I put those conditions on myself. Where did that come from? I have no idea. Not even going to try to diagnose that one. I'm not even going to say we're going to leave that for another episode because we will not. So as far as people being fearful of making mistakes, is it a confidence problem? Or maybe someone feels that imposter bias. Does that drive the fear of failure or the fear of making a mistake? Maybe a person lacks the technical skills for the position he or she is in. Maybe that drives the fear of failure. What about their boss? Is their boss authoritarian nature and in, and in leadership practices? Is this fear of failure acquired in error? Is there a perception, is there a perception that one is in a zero defect mentality culture, but it's not really the case? It's just kind of a perception. I think that's a good place to, to lead off for this episode on zero defect mentality. I like to keep these to about kind of 20, 25 minutes. The next episode, I'm going to finish my thoughts on zero defect mentality, the zero defect mindset. And I'm going to kind of talk about how would I approach that as a chief of naval, naval operations? What if I'm just the CEO of any organization where this mentality may exist and may be prevalent? Maybe it's just the rumor that it's prevalent throughout the organization. And we'll talk about kind of my analysis on the report as well. All right. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out Leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.